Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Jeff Press Podcast. My name is Justin Freed, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, my partner in crime, my person who's watching the Jets struggle and suffer with me, Mike Luciano. Mike, what's going on, buddy? How are you today? Well, you know, I had some apprehension about coming on this podcast. You know, I didn't want to maybe injure myself or blow out my vocal cords or something like that. But now that I've been talked back into it, I think I'm ready to go. Do you see how ridiculous the Jets are? That was good. That this was good. is even a thing that we got to talk about. I'll get into this a little bit later when we do all the Jets stuff. I just feel so bad for Robert Sala before we even get into this stuff because you can tell how much this guy loves football and wants to talk ball, and instead he's got to, like, deal with this crap every single week. Like, I, you can see it. It's hurting him. And we'll I, get into, we'll get into what exactly is hurting him. But, uh, but first, I have a little message from our friends over at Sleeper you tell. Fantasy. Because the Jet Press is partnering with Sleeper Daily Fantasy to give users a first deposit, new users that is, match up to $100. All you got to do is use our code FANSIDED2, that's F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D-2, when signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always gamble responsibly and scan the QR code on the screen to see if you qualify. And as always, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever maybe you get your podcasts. We're on all those sites, YouTube, TikTok, at the Jeff Press for both. Make sure you subscribe there. Make sure you give the stream a like. That was very helpful for the YouTube stuff. And leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you're of the inclination, uh, subscribe to me on Twitch and YouTube. I've been streaming a little bit there as a way to <laughs> – I put the link in the description for both as a way to unwind after watching these goddamn Jets games, which, as Justin made – really a, an apt comparison to earlier a couple of shows ago it's like football from an alternate dimension because neither team jets nor opponent scores touchdowns so you just feel loopy that's that's been helping me over there so make sure you give that a subscription but let's get back to jets talk uh we'll talk about the zach wilson report that'll be the bulk of the show but just came out uh fresh off the presses off the wire zach wilson the most unkillable cockroach of a quarterback there is is now back as the starter for the Jets. He there's a chance he gets benched for a fourth time now in two we in two years because he survived all these other benchings. Robert Sala said Wilson is the starting quarterback. He allegedly, unless there's injury, he's there for the remaining five games, which are Texans, Washington, Miami, Cleveland, and New England. I don't know if I see a win in the bunch outside of maybe Washington there. This is as depressing a resolution to this season as I could possibly think. I couldn't even think of this. Now, but the most interesting part that I really – because, like, Zach Wilson starting a quarterback when everybody wants to make it seem like it's a Zach Wilson win, the Zach Wilson truthers are out there. We'll get into the Zach Wilson truthers later, but I'm not even going to indulge that. It's not some gotcha moment that he's better than Tim Boyle or anything like that. Like, you cool down for a little bit. 
The thing that I have my head wrapping around is honestly, in my opinion, what happened with Tim Boyle. And yeah, we've had nothing good to say about Tim Boyle. Not because he's a bad guy, just because he stinks at football. Like we're, that's why we don't like Tim Boyle just as a football player. But the Jets somehow thought that Tim Boyle was good enough to be a starting quarterback. They may not have thought he was good, but in starting him, they inherently said that he was the best option to win the game at quarterback against the Falcons. And then two days later, not even on the roster, gone. Because Simeon's the backup. Brett Rippon, who they just signed from the Seahawks practice squad, who has experience with Hackett in Denver, he's now the third-string quarterback. So how in two days, unless maybe he was connected to this whole Wilson report, is Tim Boyle go from starter to out of a job? It, it doesn't make sense. No other team would operate like this. And that's saying something when there's the Panthers and – all these other dysfunctional teams, New England now, Chicago, Washington to a degree. There's all these dysfunctional teams. And yet only the Jets, who had who Aaron Rodgers started 87 days ago for this team, and now there's a chance they're on their fifth quarterback as Zach Wilson survives another benching. Like how how in such rapid succession did this deteriorate? I love how you have a a counter in your head of all the days it's been since Aaron Rodgers has started. You bring this up almost every show. I love it. Because it's not even like, like think about how recently, like I know in the grand scheme of things this year seems like forever. Think about in just in the scale of months and weeks, how close week one was to week 13. Like think about what the fan base was like between then and now. It was 12 weeks, 12 weeks, 12 weeks ago. That's Uh, it. I look, I'm at a point of apathy with the Jets. I'm going to force myself to care to talk about it today, but I just want to make that clear that I'm at a point of complete apathy. I don't give a shit about what happens the remaining five weeks of the season. I really don't. Like I'm, I'm going to force myself to care right now, but I don't care. Okay, just know that. So let's talk about Zach Wilson and Trevor Simeon and Brett Rippon. All right, let's do this. If it was up to me, Trevor Simeon would be starting this week again. I don't really care. But if it was up to me, I think it makes the most sense to give Trevor Simeon the start based on his track record, based on the, ch- the fact that he hasn't really had a chance. I know he played about a quarter of football this past Sunday, and it was not a very good quarter, but at least give the guy a shot to start. That would be my thinking of it. Tim Boyle obviously stinks. Stinks is not even the word. Like, I, like, that is putting it so nicely. Tim Boyle statistically is one of the worst quarterbacks in recent FBS history. I, I mean, let alone the NFL. I mean, we talked about this on Sunday. This is a guy like we were talking about the, the the FBS quarterbacks that make the NFL. We're talking the top one percent. He's probably in the bottom five percent of FBS quarterbacks in the last twenty five years. Justin, he was a bottom tier FCS quarterback. Yes, FC, he literally threw more interceptions and touchdowns at not even D one FCS D one A. Like, so we don't even need to waste any more breath on him. I, I, why was he cut? Because he sucks. Why did he start? Because Nathaniel Hackett has a crush on him. I don't know, Mike. Like, I I don't know. But he's, like, he's gone. He's gone at this point. I don't want to talk about Tim Boyle anymore. I would have started Trevor Simeon. That would have been my thinking. The fact that they're starting Zach Wilson, I get it. I, I understand why they're doing it. The other reason I probably would have started Simeon is because of all the reports, which we can get into momentarily. But at least from their thinking, they think that Zach Wilson gives them the best chance to win. And I don't think that that's a terrible take overall. I'd like to see what Simeon can do. But ultimately, there's a very decent chance that Zach Wilson is better than Trevor Simeon in the year 2023. I know we've said on months that if, for, for Trevor Simeon to get an opportunity, 
I never said that he would guarantee be better. In fact, I think I made it very clear that I was not positive that Trevor Simeon would be better than Zach Wilson because Trevor Simeon is also bad. But at least in his history, within the last few years, we've seen him play competent football. Also, this past summer, he lost out the backup job to Jake Browning. So it's not like he's he has a great recent track record, but he has some semblance of a track record. So I would have given him a shot. They're not cool, cool man. Like that's fine. I I like that's totally fine with me. I'll be watching on Sunday. I'll be, I can't even say rooting for them to win because I'm not at this stage. Like I I think I put this out on Twitter too. I think the nightmare scenario for the Jets is that now Zach Wilson plays the best football of his life over the next five weeks and the Jets lose draft position. And then we continue to Zach Wilson discourse in the off season. And that they probably go into next season with him as QB two. That's probably worst case scenario for the Jets right now. And I say that like if Zach Wilson genuinely got better, great. Awesome. I'd be cool with him as, as QB two. But I'm not getting fooled again. Like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna get fooled again. I saw what happened in Kansas City. That fooled me. All right. I'm not getting fooled again. I have not seen progress from him this season in any significant way. He is still a very, very, very bad quarterback. He's starting on Sunday, and that's fine. Like I disagree, but I don't, it's it's totally fine. <laughs> the Kansas City game was his Matt Flynn game. Remember when Matt Flynn threw yep. 500 yards and six touchdowns and in the paid. And then he got paid by Seattle. Yep. And then he got benched immediately because they picked Russell Wilson. I thought that was yep. quite funny. He, he, uh, Patrick, didn't even, he didn't even win the starting job, right? Didn't didn't he didn't? It was Russell Wilson's yeah. rookie year. But as right. Patrick Kayo says, the Tim Boyle debacle reflects very poorly on Joe Douglas. I mean, you need yeah. to tell us that, man. I mean, that's that it gets it's job ending. For most GMs, it would be job ending because of the situation around him. It's not, but that's where we're at. And then as Leon says, uh, every XFL and USFL quarterback. Yes. Better than Boyle. They have real credentials. XFL's multiple quarterbacks on NFL rosters. That's not an exaggeration. Not. Which just makes it even more puzzling that they stuck with this guy for so long. That's what I don't get. It's how schizophrenic, for lack of a better word, this team is. Like it for certain things, starting Zach Wilson as long as they did, keeping him on the roster, leaning on guys like Randall Cobb or C.J. Uzama, who unfortunately is out for the year. I'm sorry about that, C.J., but he wasn't performing on the field. For some things, they stick with it for so long and debase themselves trying to make it work. And for other things, like, I don't know, maybe give Dalvin Cook more touches when he's playing hot or getting Miko Harden in the game more, they abandon it immediately. Like, there's no consistency. Which that's what it feels like the most with Gase is that Gase never had an identity. He was just trying stuff out. Now we're in that territory where even Salah, who we like, it feels like is just there's 20 different holes in the boat and he's just trying everything to plug it up. Like, but there's no plan. It's just running around like, like you're a chicken with their head cut off. And this ultimately goes back to, I want to, I mean, we could talk about the reports now because this is, I feel like going to be the, it's been the biggest discussion of the week, obviously again, football, not just the jets. Yeah. And it's hilarious that this is a discussion about the jets second and third string quarterbacks. And like, like none of these guys should probably be here next year, but it's still a big story. And honestly, it reflects on the organization as a whole. We're going to, we're going to talk about the Diana Rossini report from the athletic, which first of all, I, I, I'm probably going to end up going on a rant about media literacy at some point, but I just, I want to make it very clear. I don't think anybody, to my knowledge, Jets, Robert Sala, Aaron Rodgers, whoever, has outright disputed any of the reporting that Diana Rossini and Zach Rosenblatt have done. They Do people it. realize she would get fired if she made up any right. part of it? Like, people it's don't make made it up. up. Like, can you please get real for a second? People like like those reporters, reporters that are that reputable, that are working for The Athletic, which is one of the most reputable uh, reporting outlets in sports media right now, 
they don't make stuff up. If you believe they make stuff up, then we're not we're not going to agree in this conversation. Like we we can't have this conversation. But the only the only argument against it could be like, oh well, maybe maybe it was it was misconstrued, maybe it was inflated, maybe there was you know something with the reporting. And sure, uh, with a report, there's always three sides of the story. There's one person saying something, there's other people saying something, and then there's the truth. Like that's the old cliche. But this is what I've gathered from the reporting timeline that that has been reported by Dan Rossini, what Robert Sala has said, and what Aaron Rodgers said. This is my understanding of what happened. Zach Wilson expressed reluctance for this was not a recent thing. This has happened the last couple of weeks, according to Dan Rossini, that he expressed reluctance to multiple people within the Jets building, his teammates, staff members, whoever. He told people, multiple people, he was very open about it, according to Dan Rossini. This wasn't a secret that he was reluctant to play again. Aaron Rodgers then spoke to him about it, presumably to say, hey, man, this is a bad decision. You should probably play. Zach Wilson, at first, was not receptive to this. And he 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 basically said, as, as Dan Rossini said, thanks, but no thanks. You know, this is my decision. I, I'm sticking with it. Obviously, he changed his mind on that. What changed his mind? I don't know. Maybe he saw the leaked reports come out and he saw that that uh, like, oh, people are responding poorly to this. I don't know. Maybe he just had a change of heart. Maybe someone else talked to him. I don't know. But he eventually did change his mind. He then went to Robert Sala and said, hey, give me the ball. I want to play. That's, that is what happened. And obviously Robert Sala and the Jets were aware of these, these, these rumblings. Despite what Robert Sala says publicly, it has been very made very clear in reporting that the Jets were aware that Zach Wilson was, was reluctant to play again. That's that's fine. Like they, they were aware of that, which is probably why they had some hesitancy and probably why they waited as long as they did to name a quarterback. Because based on other reports, the Jets were leaning towards and wanted to start Zach Wilson. But they had to basically make sure that they wanted to do that, even though he was reluctant to play at first. Right. And so now we're left in a situation where Wilson changed his mind. Cool. He's playing. He's starting this week. And that's that. That's pretty much my understanding of what happened. And I think there was another really important note that was dropped in that same report by Dan Rossini. I believe it was like a follow-up to that report. And this is, I think, this goes to the Tim Boyle thing. This explains a lot of the Jets' decision-making from this season. From what Diana said, the Jets essentially saw Aaron Rodgers going down as that was it. That was the end of their season. The Robert Sala and the coaching staff said, that's it. We're punting on the season when this happens. So with that in mind, I am not surprised at all that they let Tim Boyle start two games this season, that they have gone back and forth between Zach Wilson and Trevor Simeon and whoever, that they did not make another quarterback addition, that they did not trade for a wide receiver. Any of the moves that we wanted the team to make, they didn't make because they were not planning to compete this season once Aaron Rodgers went down, which also, if that's the case, and I'm not saying this is like 100% definitely accurate, but if that is the case, that also makes me think that maybe the Aaron Rodgers stuff, where maybe Aaron Rodgers returning was less feasible than we thought it was. Because if they believed that he had a real shot of coming back and, and potentially salvaging the season, this is just my thinking at this point. If they believed that and he had a real shot at salvaging their season, you'd think that they would have tried earlier in the season to, to, to make more moves and to actually compete and not say, well, Rodgers went down. That sucks. That's it for us. That's the gist of what I've got from the reporting. Ultimately, I do think it reflects poorly on Zach Wilson. I think it's very—I think it's clear at this point. I mean, if you want to say, "Oh, it's just fake news, it's false reports, whatever," you could do that. Do you? Do you, man? Like, I don't—I don't care. But like, you could—you can say whatever you want. But I think it's pretty clear that Wilson did have reluctance to play, and that he did express it openly to multiple people. Nobody has refuted that. Aaron Rodgers was pissed that the leaks came out. That's what he was saying on that on the Pat McAfee show. He was upset that that information got out of the organization. He didn't say the information was inaccurate. He didn't say it wasn't true. So, and Robert Sala had every opportunity to deny that as well. All, all Robert Sala said was, 
All I know is he came to me and said that he wanted to play, which is true. That's That seems to be true. I'm not saying he's lying, but clearly there was reluctance on Zach Wilson's part. And I do think that that reflects poorly on him. And I think that teammates, I think that future teams maybe trying to, to sign Zach Wilson might be hesitant about that or maybe trade for him because I think that it's just, you know, ultimately what makes him special in this situation? There are plenty of guys who are not going to be here next year who might feel slighted. Hell, Alan Lazard had to hear his head coach openly tell the public after he was benched that, well, yeah, we're going to cut him in a year and a half. But forget Lazard. You think guys like Sauce and Garrett Wilson, the best guys, you think they want to go no. out and play for a team that's going nowhere? They still are. Like the, the fact there were people no. defending him, like this to me looked like as easy a layup – like the fact that there were so many defenders, it was like a 50 50 split of like, yeah, Zach, you tell him. I'm like, are, are we, what's going on here? Like, somebody had, like, are you, all right, great job, Zach. You do that at your job. Tell your boss, I don't feel like doing what you're telling me to do. How, tell me how that'll go. Or people would be like, yeah, Joe, go tell Mr. Smith that he's an ass or whatever. No, that's not how any position works, not how any job works. Really a couple quick. things off this report. Really, really quick, really quick. Comment from Leon here. I just want to, I want to, I want to push back on this because he said Wilson's reluctancy didn't last long because he lobbied to be the start on Monday morning, unwarranted, and unscheduled. Second part is definitely true. He went seemingly on his own accord to tell Robert Sala, "Hey, I want to be a starter." First part's not true because based on reports, he had been expressing this for weeks, like since he was benched, that he did not want to play again. So his reluctancy lasted a while. In fact, it lasted so long that Aaron Rodgers spoke to him, and he still didn't change his mind. So he was pretty dead set on this until he changed his mind. And I'm glad he changed his mind. That is a good decision. If he stuck to it and just said, I'm not going to play, like that's it. Like, I don't know if he gets I another wanna, shot. Uh, I can get hurt. Oh, my God, the <laughs> whininess with this guy. I am so sick. How many years have we followed sports and how many teams have you ever – I was I, I watched those KD Kyrie Nets, which was all feelings-based. I've never heard a team operate on a guy's feelings or hear about a guy's feelings in a two or three year period. It just, it blows my mind. I feel and he's like, done nothing to warrant any of that. You, you, you know, Aaron Rodgers' feelings, they hold some weight. I feel they should sign Randall Cobb. Well, maybe not, but you know what? He's Aaron Rodgers fine. Zach Wilson has had maybe what one and a half good starts out of 31 in his career. Half maybe the Titans game or that Tampa game he almost won. Yeah, I would say it, I would say Titans, Bucks, Chiefs, three good games. Are at most three out of thirty something starts, and all we hear about is he doesn't want to do this. I don't feel this. Jeez, but a couple things going off this report. A couple of them relate to Salah, and honestly, he's a solid defender. Like it made me feel less confident in, in Salah genuinely about some of this because number one. That may have been true. Like he came to me and asked to play. It's like, yeah, but all right. How do you not know as a coach that a potential starting quarterback has been saying for weeks he's nervous about playing? Like that—that that seems like something you should have your your finger on a little bit. That's just me. I think, two, I think he did know. I, I, it doesn't sound like it was a secret. I don't. Do I don't. I lied. Yeah, he's gonna pretend. He's not gonna. He's not gonna tell the public and say, hey, yeah, Zach was hesitant to play. He protects his players. Robert Sala, if he's going to do one thing, it's protect his players. He always protects his players. Always. <laughs> Even in like the we'll brief fault. situation with the minor criticism and stuff, like he will protect his players. He will shield them from criticism as much as he can. So I, I fully believe he knew. So that's number one. Number two, it makes you feel less confident when an injury happens. I get it's Aaron Rodgers. We all, you know, we're 
completely distraught when that happened, but you, number one, to give up that immediately, and then when you're four and three, to still potentially have that mindset of we're not going anywhere, that's weak. And number three, you gave up after Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Well, why'd you give up? Because you had Zach Wilson as your backup quarterback? Is that why you gave up? If you had Ryan Tannehill or Gardner Minshew, would the, the mindset have been different? Probably. So whose fault is that? It's Joe Douglas. I agree. This I, I, all I agree. stems it all every dot you can connect makes its way back to Douglas at some point. I, I agree. Oh, we'll get to a few more comments here. Actually, all from Leon here. He said, This is a source situation. That's where Diana's info is coming from. It's not from the GM or coach. Yeah, correct. Joe Douglas That's is not reporting wolves. Yeah, it's Joe Douglas, not the one who told Diana Rossini this. Neither is Robert Sala. But there were people, multiple people, clearly within the organization. Because, like, I feel like some people don't not not saying you, Leon, but a lot of people that are pushing back on on this being true information don't understand how how vetted this information has to be to report anything. Like, you have to go through some, like us, like jump through so many hoops, so many hurdles to get a a story published on, on a publication like the Athletic. Like it's it's not as simple as oh look here are a couple texts from this person they said this no it's way more than that like when stuff like this comes out it's it's gonna be true or close to true it's basically what's being reported is this was what she heard from people within the organization now are those people within the organization entirely accurate about what they're saying that's nobody knows that we don't know who's saying it but they're clearly high ranking people and it's not like oh the janitor said this like that's not that's not what this is it's teammates it's staff members it's people in the front office it's not Joe Douglas and Robert Sala but it's notable enough people and then uh you you said here Aaron called the Wilson report a character assassination that's exactly what it is i would call it journalism that's what i would call it character assassination assassination is trying to is implying that they're trying to take down Zach Wilson that's not what they're doing they're doing their jobs that's what reporters do. Like and they, he said it too. It's not like it was some secret right. that was all clandestine and they snuck it out of there. If he's telling people and yep. people knew about it, that's fair game. You know, a character assassination would be private, like information about a about a human being that they leaked. If some what if Zach Wilson, said about Robert Sala, that I mean, yeah, that that should private be text, Aaron had private conversation on the air. Correct. That would be character assassination, but private. it wasn't that. Right. Private text messages should not be released. If Zach Wilson told somebody a, a specific private information about himself or somebody, you know, somebody else, and he said this is private information, that shouldn't be leaked. What was reported was that Zach Wilson was publicly and openly saying, I like showing reluctance about playing to multiple people. That's not a character assassination at that point. You're just reporting what happened. You're reporting the facts and, and what you've gathered from your sources. That's journalism. That's reporting. That's how that stuff works. I don't think like no the the source wants to make Zach look bad. How do you know that? Like I don't I'm not I don't I wouldn't say that. I don't know. The the the, the source is who cuz first of all we don't know how any of this these conversations went. We don't know the motivations of anybody. We don't. Maybe the source did want to make Zach look bad. Maybe as some people have speculated, I forget if you mentioned on the show, maybe the source was Tim Boyle. Maybe Tim Boyle's a rat. We've seen that thrown about thrown out a lot on social media. I'm not saying that because I have nothing against Tim Boyle, and it's just speculation, although it would be hilarious if that was true, and part of me just hopes it was true because that'd be so funny. But, like, who knows? We don't we don't know the motivations of these people. We don't know the motivation to the source. We don't know the motivations, uh, or I, I would say we do know the motivation of Dana Rossini and Zach Rosenblatt who are reporting this. They just want, the, like, they're just trying to get information out there. They're trying to do their jobs. I understand that. The craziest thing that I think the Wilson – report because again it's empowered the zach truthers 
as we said earlier, because number number one, now that he's back, it's given them a little bit of a boost because it's like, oh, see, it did get worse, which, all right, Zach Wilson's marginally better than Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon, who had his last good year, and his last year as a starter was like five years ago. Like, the fact you're debating that and you're that granular, that's not a win for Zach Wilson. The fact you have to think about it and the fact that not every stat will still go your way on that, that's not a win for that. The thing that drives me crazy with the Zach Wilson supporters, because he gets compared to Darnold a lot, which I'm one Darnold had a much better like football only case to yes. be retained as long as he did, because he genuinely had much less than Zach Wilson, no coach. Like as much as I thought those issues should not stop them from taking a quarterback, they just picked the wrong one mm-hmm. at number two overall in 2021. Like there was at least an argument. There's not that with Wilson. The thing that's driving me crazy with the Wilson fans compared to the Darnold ones. It's not even like they're doing this for like the good of the Jets. It's like so personal. It's so just Zach himself. Go, Zach. You're awesome. Tell the Jets to go screw themselves. He's not. He stinks. And people don't like him. A lot of people don't like him over multiple coaching staffs and seasons. This is going to sound silly and maybe hot takey, but when they did do those Mike F and White t-shirts, like the fact that they did that, with Zach Wilson there, I'm not saying that that like tore the locker room apart or anything like that, but the fact that they were ready to move on so immediately after well, how many weeks was that? Nine, ten? Like, uh, yes. just, I don't know what it is. You don't, I don't think he's like an, a mean guy, but like people don't like him. They they just don't like him. So all these people white knighting for him. Number one, he's not gonna like, he's not gonna notice you out there. Like he's not you're not gonna get anything from it. And the Jets are going to keep him. So there's really no benefit to this. And he's not probably not going to get another job. If he does, it'll be as a practice squad guy for another Shanahan disciple. So the, the relentless, like he can, it's not the fact that he can do no wrong. Because every player's got stand culture. I hate that that's a thing, but you know, everyone's got, oh, this player can do no wrong. It's the fact that they're thinking, oh, he can do no wrong when he hasn't done anything right. And this just feeds into it. It's driving me nuts. I won't go as far as to say, like, Zach Wilson is an unlikable guy. I, I don't know him. I don't know him enough to say like that. seems like he is. I, I, I understand. Like, there's a lot of things that you can point to. Be like, oh, look, this is showing that. Look, he didn't get along with Mike LaFleur. They fired Mike LaFleur. Now he's with, I, I would say, Nathaniel Hackett. Hackett is probably the ultimate players coach. I don't know if there's been a coach in the NFL who, like, bends over backwards for his players more than Nathaniel Hackett, uh, which is probably why Aaron Rodgers likes him. But I, I'm not going to say that about Zach Wilson. I'm just going to say what has been reported. Like, that's that's kind of all I'm sticking to. I want to get to a few more comments here. Uh, Leon saying, Zach may have told a teammate Wilson did not express reluctance to play the coaches or executives. How do you know that? You're making that up. That's like, we don't know who he told. And I'm going to actually read exactly what Diana Rossini said in a second. Uh, John and Chad said, well, everything you're talking about is speculation. No, some of it is. The part that's been reported, that's not speculation. That's been reported. And, and I I feel comfortable enough with Diana Rossini and Zach Rosenblatt's reporting to say that those are probably as close to facts as they can get when it comes to reporting. Uh, Diana's, Leon and Chad saying Diana is, is relaying info she got from a teammate who has an agenda against Zach. That's speculation. That, 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 that is that speculation. Is speculation. That's not connecting. You don't know that. We have no idea what that is. Like, and like it's fun you. to jokingly be like, oh, Tim Boyle, you know, yeah. was the guy who actually did. And like, it, w- it would be funny, too, if that actually happened because it w- the timing would make sense. Of how, yeah. Like, if they found it out, if they tracked it down, him, it would be funny. But that's all it is right now. It's just funny joking. Maybe this could happen like that. Like, 
more speculation, Leon. But but Zach is not stupid enough to relay reluctancy to management assistants or head. why? Maybe it why? is. Why like, is it out there? Why, like I don't. How do you know this? Like first of all, I wouldn't like stupid is a strong word. I don't know if I. I mean, I guess I'd, I would call it like yeah, foolish to do something like that. But it's foolish to say it to teammates anyway. Here's what Dan Orsini said, by the way. Just, this is what she said, and again, this is what I was saying before about how much goes into this reporting that I think the general public doesn't really understand sometimes. She was explaining that it takes a lot to get a story published. This is from her, quote, I can't just take the word or a text message or one quick phone call from just one person close to Zach Wilson or one person close to the Jets. It doesn't work like that. My sources can't be low-level people. It has to be people that are in the situation, that are close to the situation, and it has to be multiple people. And that's why I stand by my reporting, because as you know, when you have all this information and the main players are aware of it, all I can do is just report what I know, and that's what I've done. The main players are aware of it. She also points that out right there, that the guys in the locker room knew about this. So this was not a secret. Clearly, if it was a secret, it would not have leaked. Enough people knew about it that it got out. Hence, like, I don't know how anybody can look at this and be like, oh, yeah, he probably told one teammate that one. Like, no, like you're, you're either, if you believe that you are believing that Diana Rossini is making stuff up. And if you're believing that. You don't or, know, or that Diana Rossini specifically hates Zach Wilson so much, like she's going to use her position to, have to to force the Jets to cut him. It is very clearly multiple people, and and Leon saying here, if it happened with coaches or management, uh, he wouldn't be starting. Ideally, no, and I think that's why there was a discussion. That's why there was hesitancy. That's why we didn't find out until Wednesday because the Jets were talking through it, probably making sure the guys in the locker room were cool with it. Because that that's that part. That's part of why I think Simeon should be starting because. I don't know how you can start a guy who openly expressed reluctance to play. If the top players know about it and the players in a locker room know about it, you really think none of the coaches know they're in that locker room too. That's like, it's not like they're in a separate area. They're in the locker room as well. They're either the most aloof people ever, which might be true. Or they lied and said, Oh yeah. If a guy said, you know, if we thought a guy didn't want to play, he'd be cut. And they did. And they're protecting their guys. Yeah. One of those things. Sala said he would be released. Sala said he'd be released if he outright refused to play. He didn't outright refuse to play. He showed re- showing reluctance to play is not him telling the coaching staff, I will not play. There is a big difference between those two things. One of them is a hard stance you're taking. The other is, well, if this situation arises, I'm probably going to do this. Those are two different things. Clearly, he was leaning one way and changed his mind. That's what happened. So if, if Wilson told Salah, I'm not going to play, yeah, he would have probably been released. He would not be on the team because why would you have a guy in the roster who's refusing to play for you? That's a breach of contract, if anything. But that's not what happened. And again, one more thing. I know we're, we're kind of beating the dead horse at this point. Dan is not making it up. She ran uh, this from Leon again. She ran with the info she got from someone. Many someones. Many someones. Not someone. Not one individual person. And, and that's that why we here. get extra credibility because of how many of the someones. If it was one person, it, uh, literally for the for the, the the fun fan theories out there, if Tim Boyle texted Diana, if Tim Boyle called Diana Rossini and said, hey, Diana, Zach Wilson doesn't want to play again. He doesn't want to play quarterback. She's not going to write an article about that. That's not enough information to write something. It takes weeks of gathering information from many different people within that building to report something. That's how journalism works. I'm not a reporter. I don't do that. But I'm under. I understand. Neither are you, Mike. We're not reporters. But, but that's how trained to report. We know how to report. If we right. like, that's how you report. That's how you report. Like that's, that's, that's work, how no news would break ever. Correct. If this, and that, this system didn't work like this. And that's and that's why there's a difference between people like Diana Rossini, who is a, a one of the top insiders in the NFL, I would say, and Zach Rosenblatt, who was very good at his job as well. 
and other low-level reporters who probably do not have a lot of sources and go off of one source. Yeah, maybe sometimes they'll be right, but a lot of times they'll be wrong. And that's why you see such discrepancy with, with, with low-level reporters with reporting information, and they're wrong a lot because they don't have as many sources. And it's it's harder to vet stuff like that. And I know people, and I want to, I'm going to go on a whole rant right now about media literacy. I knew this we're was we're supposed to be talking about Aaron Rodgers and the playoffs. Okay. And now Fuck we're going to do I don't care, man. journalism I, 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 101 here. Like the, of Aaron Rodgers, people get on Diana Rossini's ass. They shit on her and they're like, hey, remember the whole wish list report? Man, listen, all right? The whole wish list report. The what Aaron Rodgers disputed because he came out and was like, Yeah, that's not right. I didn't have a wish list. It was semantics. It, it, it was semantics. Like, I'm sure Rodgers didn't go to the Jets and say, Hey, definitely sign these players. And Diana Rossini never said that either. But I'm sure Rodgers was just upset that the term wish list was used. Rodgers 100 percent I think everyone in this chat can agree that Rodgers 100 percent had input on the player acquisitions that the Jets made this offseason. If you don't think that. Then you're insane because he clearly did. That's why we're in the mess we're in right, right now. And so when Diana Rossini says, Oh, this is his wish list, like Randall Cobb, I mean, Mercedes Lewis was on, obviously, and make that move. Odell Beckham, they were very interested, interested in signing Odell Beckham. It's not that Rogers said definitely sign these guys, but Rogers absolutely had input and, and suggested to bring those guys in. And that's all the report was stating. So Aaron Rodgers never refuted the report by, by Diana Rossini. So people trying to criticize her and be like, oh, like that was a false report. She was wrong about that. She's wrong about this. No, no. Media literacy, man. Like that's not – people should be required to take a course on media literacy in high school and college if they attend. I will die on that hill, and this is why. <laughs> the, again, if Aaron, if Aaron Rodgers – was on this team. They're in the playoffs, number one. They got seven or eight wins. We don't have to educate people about the basis of of reporting and sources and how to, like, when to go on the record, like, things that you do in, in journalism school. Like, God, even in the worst jet season, we never had to do this. No, this is – The this tank is wasn't this, like, grueling. To the tank was almost fun. It was it was fun I, like, because it was I, so absurd what was happening every week. The, the blitzing times. eight on the hail mary, like yeah. there have been so many times where the Jets have been so bad in my lifetime, and it was funny. Like I I've had fun watching shitty teams. I don't have fun watching this team. This sucks. Nothing that's happening is fun. It's all shitty. Like yeah, Brian and Chad, we have nothing to root for. We don't. We really defense don't. is fun. Legitimately, if you like defensive football, this Jets defense is extremely fun. But the, but the other part of it is, oh man, look, the Jets are wasting one of the best defenses they've had in years, and I can't get that thought out of my mind. Every time I see a Bryce Huff sack, I see Jermaine Johnson balling out. I see Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, Michael Carter, CJ Mosley, Quincy Williams, John Fagemeyer, Quentin Williams, whoever the hell is balling out. Every time I watch it, I go, damn, they should be in the playoffs right now. They should be competing for a playoff spot. Instead, we're stuck with Zach Wilson, Tim Boyle, Trevor Simeon. Brett Rippon, Chris Strebler, Jamison Crowder, Randall Cobb. I don't care who you throw at quarterback. They're all bad. <laughs> like, all right. One, I, I one last one from Leon who switched <laughs> topics now. Uh, Luke Getzey, the next passing game coordinator. Are you ready for a worse passing game than Hackett has right now? Because oh, you would get that with Luke Getzey and the Bears. He probably would be worse than Todd Downing, huh? <laughs> it's just the – what's the opposite of the Avengers? The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, I guess. Like the the worst. I don't know what that is? <laughs> They're the X Men baddies. I'm really comic book nerding out on this show the last you couple are. days. Just a couple but, weeks in a row. I but, I, but anyway, it's like they're trying to assemble all the coordinators and coaches I hate, 
Downing, Hackett, Getze. Yeah. It's like, oh, brother. Uh, this, is what happens, this is what happens when I care, Mike. I was apathetic to start the show, and now I'm mad. And I didn't want to be mad. But now you want to get even more apathetic? Also, by the way, not, not mad at Leon. Not mad at anyone in chat, by the way. Appreciate you guys commenting, making that clear. I'm mad at this fucking organization, man. I'm mad at this team, this goddamn team. You want to get even more apathetic? Let's talk about Brett Rippon. Well, the Jets might play a fifth quarterback this year. Brett uh, Rippon. You want to know what I did for this show? I rewatched Brett Rippon games, including the time um, where he where he beat the Jets. Remember that? Yeah, he beat the Jets. Yeah, he started the he start two of his four career starts have come against the Jets. Two of his first Thursday night starts. game when Darnold played. Remember yeah. Darnold had that like fifty yard touchdown run, and there was like nobody else on the yes. screen. I do remember that. Yes, that was that was in the fun tank year. So Brett Rippon, I actually got to confess, I remember like when I first started doing like as hardcore as I normally do with the draft stuff. That was Rippon's quarterback class. I think he was 2019, so that was like Kyler and Dwayne Haskins, RIP, and Daniel Jones and all that. That was his class. Very accomplished college quarterback. Again, this is not Tim Boyle. Brett Rippon in college, had, who, by the way, comes from a very athletic family. Uh, I think his cousin actually died very young, rest in peace, Rick Rippon, but he played in the NHL for a little bit because uh, he's Canadian. Mark uh, Rippon, of course. Yeah, with the with the uh, Canucks, Mark Rippon, his uncle is a Super Bowl winning quarterback with the then Redskins. Who it's funny too because everybody always mentions, oh, you know, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Before that happened, it was, oh, well, Mark Rippon won a Super Bowl. Like that was always the that was always the thing. Well, well now Mark Brett Rippon's gonna win a Super Bowl. Let's go, Brett Rippon for Super Bowl. Jets winning out. Let's go, baby. Yeah. He's also related to Angela Rippon, who is a quarterback in the Legends Football League, formerly the Lingerie Football League. Oh, that league. For the Seattle Mist and Baltimore Charm for three seasons. Those sound like WNBA teams. Yeah, the uh, the Legends Football – oh, my God. You know who owns the Legends Football League now called the X League? No. Mike Ditka. Oh, my God. That feels wrong. I feel like – Why? I feel like I – Feel like there's some I don't know. Feel like there's some weird intentions there, but we're going down a rabbit hole now. We're going down a rabbit hole. We can do a whole podcast about the Legends Football League though, because they have can some fun teams. Really? Can we really? They have eight teams. They've had a bunch. I don't know. How do, you, how do you think Tim Boyle would do in that league? Tim Boyle, I don't know. He probably like eight touchdowns, fourteen picks, knowing his resume. That's kind of what he does, you know. Yeah, that sounds about right. But Brett Rippon, athletic family, and I believe he threw for around 13,000 yards in four years at Boise State, 90-something touchdowns, won a ton, comes to the NFL, and he's been doing the whole bounce around as a backup practice squad guy. Now, unlike Boyle, there actually is like a scouting report to have with Rippon with positives and negatives, whereas Boyle, it was negatives pretty much. Rippon's arm is comically weak. Yeah, for the NFL. I mean, every single patch just floats up there. He's also really small. He's six two. I think he's listed at. He's got and he's got Kenny Pickett hands. He's he's got Kenny Pickett small hands. He's listed yeah. at two oh five. Maybe he had fifteen pounds of sand in his pants. He is not two hundred five pounds. That's Bryce Young being two oh four. There is no way he's that big. So obviously, because of that, he can't just make a lot of NFL throws. So what you can run is limited. That sounds bad because it is bad. That's why Brett Rippon's on the practice squad of the Jets right now. Now, if he does through some miracle get in, which can't be ruled out because Tim Boyle and Trevor Simeon have played this year. So you can't rule it out. He actually has a weirdly good, like deep accuracy. Like I remember the Broncos game. He actually was chucking it deep 
And he actually connected a little yeah. bit and he was good with that at Boise State. Remember that one where he it was uh I think Pierre Desir got absolutely mossed by Oh Sweeney. yeah, by Judy. And yeah. then later Pierre Desir had a pick six. Or I think it was it was either before that or after that. Pierre Desir had a pick six in that game too. Pierre Desir, what a Jets legend that is. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to think about Pierre Desir anymore. Like I've had enough bad players. I don't want to think about bad defensive players too. But uh, he actually is quite accurate on those goal balls, gets the ball out quick. And actually, if you let him, like the arm strength is not very good. We know that. If he, Even on shorter plays in the pocket, he's made some tight window throws. Like he thinks he has an insane arm. And he actually has made a couple throws. I'm like, okay, that's backup level. Now, physically, he's so limited. And we've, you know, we haven't really seen him play good football in a while because it was Hackett Broncos last year and this start. He had one start this year for the Rams, which was quite bad, and they ended up getting rid of him. So not they a lot. Tim him. They Tim boiled him. He got released like the next day. They Tim boiled him. Yes, they no, Chris Glazered him. him. Yeah, they, and, they, boiled, they boiled him. Yeah, so there's thing to say. Not, there's not a ton to smile about, but God forbid if something crazy happens and he goes in, I actually might feel more confident than I would with Tim Boyle, and maybe as confident as I would with Trevor Simeon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's a very physically limited quarterback, obviously, like you said, uh, small hands, small guy, not a great arm. I, I think the, the the biggest negative aside from it on tape is, you. I mean, if I remember correctly from his time at Boise State and his brief time in the NFL, uh, throws a lot of interceptions, throws a lot of like just he makes a lot of plays where you're just like, what are you doing, man? Like, what's going on there? Uh, what's going on in that brand of yours? But I guess I, I think he's better than Tim Boyle. So that's good. That's an upgrade. There's an actual strength there with him, which I think that, you know, even if he's physically limited, like he's got, he's got something to his game. Uh, obviously he was undrafted likely largely because of those, those lack of physicals. Um, but it's fine. Like he's, he's their third string. Now it would take a significant, I don't even want to say that. I don't like, I want, I want to say, I don't think we're going to see him this year, but I it's the jets dude. Like Trevor Simeon wasn't on the roster until week four. There is there every is. chance that we see him play a game this year. Like, I mean, David fails played in a game for the jets a few years ago. Luke Falk has played. In oh, game he did. Game. I forgot he, he about that. In, he played in, I think one game or so he did not attempt to pass, but he got sacked. He got sacked. I thought he was actually going to be a legitimate quarterback. David fails. Where well, because I just Where I was a dumb like high school kid, and I just saw the the college numbers he put up, which are ridiculous. Where did he go to school? Oh, again? Okay, oh San Jose State. That's right. I knew it was some Mountain West school. Yeah, San Jose State. I'm like, okay, yeah. maybe I could see it. And then you know, I he thought Luke Falk was actually going to be okay. I got fooled by the air raid numbers. Yeah, the the numbers. Like you probably what, what was his name? Brandon Dowdy, that Western Kentucky guy. But, well, Luke Falk legitimately in college was like super super accurate, and then yeah. he just didn't have the he just didn't have the arm to yeah. I mean, Rippon, we're probably not going to see him play. Uh, I do want to actually really quick. I know we're talking about Brett Rippon. This is a good question. And I actually wanted to talk about this. It's a question from Leon in chat. It's about Zach Wilson's future. And I did want to talk about that. I know I'm kind of derailing because we were just talking about Brett Rippon, but I feel like I feel like this is more important. It's all related. Uh, uh, so he said, Leon in chat, if this will load on the screen, said, a serious question. Is there any chance that Zach Wilson returns next season with the Jets if he ends the season on a high note because, because of his relationship with Rodgers? As much as I would like to say no, yeah, I think there's definitely a chance. I think the biggest obstacle with Zach Wilson is that his entire salary next season is guaranteed. It's like eleven over $11 million, which is a lot of money. That's a lot of money for a backup quarterback, let alone somebody you're probably going to hopefully bring back as a third string. So I don't really think – the, the only way the Jets would cut him is if they think he's a complete distraction because cutting him 
is the exact same as keeping him on the roster. There's the same amount of dead cap. If you cut him as there be cap space, you know, taken up if he's on the roster. So actually, I guess, can you restructure rookie contracts? You probably, you can. Yeah. Cause I think they did it with Bryce Hall. Maybe they would restructure his contract or something and push some of that dead cap to 2025. I could see, so I could see something like that happening. Uh, obviously in a perfect world, you'd find somebody to trade him to that can maybe take on some of that salary. I imagine the Jets would have to eat a good portion of it, but yeah. you could probably find somebody you know, if he plays well over the last few games, that could take that salary. But I agree because of that last part that you said, because of his relationship with Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers says, hey, I want him back and I want to develop him, they might not have a chance. But God damn it, if they go into next season with Zach Wilson as QB2, I'm so done. I'm just done. I'm and you done. know what? At least this year we're saying give everybody a mulligan because Rodgers got hurt and Zach Wilson's in. Now you don't have a mulligan because now you know that Rodgers can – can go out early in the year. Like now you got to have an actual plan. So if it happens again, I'm not giving Sal to get him a real quarterback thing. And then like, that's what's insane about it is everybody knows, even if this regime comes back next season, which the assumption is that they all will be here. Everyone knows there's basically a playoff mandate. I don't know if Woody Johnson will outright say there is a playoff mandate. Cause I don't, has he ever done that? I don't think he's ever done that. Uh, he doesn't care about, didn't no. he say Mitt Romney winning the election would mean more than any Jets Super Bowl ring? I think he said that. So that's the kind of guy Woody is. Well, I don't know about that part, but I do know that he's probably not going to come out and say uh, that the Jets definitely need to make the playoffs. But we all know that that's the case. The Jets need to make the playoffs next season. So if they go into next year with Zach Wilson as their undisputed definite QB2, they are making their own bed. They already made it this offseason, but they'd be making their own bed twice in consecutive seasons, seeing how bad things went this year. Like, because there's no excuses. If Rodgers gets hurt to get hurt again next year, there's no mulligan again. Like, they have to win next year, whether Rodgers is playing or not. So they have to have a better plan at backup quarterback. Obviously, it would not be ideal to have your third string quarterback making eleven million dollars on your roster and then signing another backup quarterback for maybe five, four million. If you're getting a good backup quarterback, five million, something like that. That would be a lot of money to be paying for your quarterback, which is why I could see them just restructuring his deal and pushing dead money to 2025. I mean, fuck, what does Joe Douglas care? He's not going to be here next year if they lose anyway. So why does he care about 2025 cap space? So I, I, I could see that happening. Um, but ideally, All I know about Zach is there's a sucker born every minute. For trade, what did Darnold get? A second, a fourth, and a sixth? He did. Well, like, yeah, they got to find another Panthers. Dude, the Panthers handling of the quarterback position over the last like eight years is probably worse than the Jets, and that's saying so much. It no, no. Well, they had Cam for some of that, so you can't say. All that. right, whatever. The last after good Cam went at like last five years, five six five six years, something like that. Because at least I'd say the Jets tried to like the only the the what did the Panthers draft the Bryce Young before that. They didn't draft another quarterback in the first round, right? Am I, I'm not making Well, they had up. Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, they had Teddy, they had Cam. They brought back Cam when he was shit. Uh, and Darnold and Baker. Darnold and Baker. Everything with with uh, uh, the Bryce Young and maybe losing out on Caleb Williams this this offseason, that tanks them a lot. Maybe it's not worse than the Jets. I don't know if anyone would be worse Did you hear, them. though, did you see that report that came out about them today? Yes, the, uh, the like, Hunger Games. Basically, like, the coaches, there was always a criticism that Bryce Young dropped too deep into his drops at Alabama, which, yeah, that happened. Yes, yes. And then the owners were saying, no, he needs to drop back deep more after the coaches were saying, don't, I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a shit show. It it is a mess. And this is the, we're a team that started Tim Boyle and then cut him two days later. For Jets fans thinking the Jets are the only dysfunctional organization out there, they're not. That's not an excuse, but there are other dysfunctional. Here's truly the worst part of this year. The Patriots just allowed 10 points 
in three straight three games straight. and lost yeah. all of them. I can't even enjoy the fact that my mortal enemy is finally the worst team in the yeah. league, both almost in record and in like watchability, maybe outside of the Jets. Actually, you know what? Including the Jets, because at least the Jets scored some points. The Patriots did not in their last game. I can't even fully enjoy this because A, the Jets are almost as bad, and B, they're going to get either Caleb Williams or Drake May. Yeah. Like they can't right. even win the Jets. You're not wrong. Even when the Patriots are bad, the Jets can't win over them. It dry, You're not I'm wrong. so really? disgusted. The comment here from Josh Kerr and Chad, actually, this, this, I think this is a fair discussion. Uh, I think backup quarterbacks are going to get paid more than, from this point on. This season proves how valuable they are. Maybe. Purdy. Yeah. I, th- I think there's a good chance that that you could see backup quarterback salaries increase, and they probably should because they are very valuable, very important. My dream for the Jets, and I said this right before we started recording, Mike, my dream backup quarterback for the Jets next season is Ryan Tannehill. That's who I think it should be. Ryan Tannehill should be the backup quarterback. It makes so much sense. Assuming Todd Downing is still here, boom, you got the connection there. Keith Carter was with him in Tennessee as well. It makes too much sense. And he would be a great backup quarterback. Tannehill is a free agent in the offseason. I would like to see the Jets pay him legit like $7 million to be the backup. I, I don't. I mean, maybe he gets an opportunity to be a bridge quarterback somewhere. But in a perfect world, in an ideal world, that is exactly who I'd want as my backup quarterback next season. I think if Rodgers were to go down, I mean, if he goes down for an entire season, yeah, that, that's that's brutal. If that happens again, I mean, I, dude, this team, I mean, this team's already cursed, but they'd be even more cursed. But if he just misses a few games, like misses five games, say, I'm very confident with Ryan Tannehill coming in and playing competent football. Speaking of the Panthers, maybe Andy Dalton? Is he a free agent? Was, it, was he assigned to a one-year one year deal? Was it a one-year deal? Because, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if Dalton is probably the best backup quarterback in the NFL right now. I don't think that's a hot take. It's a two-year deal. He's better than their starter. And he's under contract next year. He's under contract next year, unfortunately. Ah, crap. Weird. This is the this is bizarre. Oh, okay. So this is so funny. They have an out in his contract after the season. But if they take it, they're taking on more dead cap than his cap hit is next year. The reason for that is because they restructured his contract and they spaced out dead cap for the next four years after that. Or three years after that. Really Can they weird. Please just fire fitter. Can him and Joe Douglas go together? That is such a weird situation. So I don't think Dalton will be available. Tannehill should. Well, I would like to sign Tannehill. We'll get into this now that we we're going to talk about the Texas game too. Leon, why are the Jets so awful at running the ball? They've been bad the last two months. They don't have a quarterback. O line and their O line sucks. Like Wilson Boyle, Simeon, six seven man boxes every single play. Yeah, you try and run the ball when there's seven guys and five blockers. Leon in that comment did say Keith Carter has to go. Yeah, I would like that. They're not going to do that, but I don't think he should have been on the team to begin with. Nobody's going. Yeah, because Rodgers. Yes. If anything, they'll make minor offensive coaching staff tweaks, which maybe that is Keith Carter. Because I don't think Rodgers gives a shit about Keith Carter. Honestly, I don't think he has any personal connection to him. So if they do make any changes, it'll be Keith Carter. But also, for as bad as the offensive line has been, it would be pretty brutal to fire Keith Carter after like one of the most unprecedented injury streaks in like in recent uh, NFL history for the offensive line. Like that would be pretty, I'm not that he, I don't think he deserves a job in the first place, but that's a tough sell. It's like firing a QB coach after Rogers got down and you're working with this. It's like, well, well, that's, that's the same do. thing we're doing with Salah, right? Well, we're well, giving Salah him a mulligan, right? I guess then the, well, the argument is if you give Salah a mulligan, you got to give everybody else one. Well, Salah's defense is balling. I'm saying like specifically a position coach who loses like all their players. It's like, that's pretty tough to say to fire him. <laughs> but no matter who is on this skeleton crew of increasingly beat up Jets, they still have to physically go play games. And you know what else they have to do, Mike? They have to you listen to this ad read. They have to listen to this ad read. 
<laughs> do right now by Sleeper. Yes, they have to use Sleeper because Sleeper is great. Again, that's not, they're not paying me to say that. I'm paying us to say that. I genuinely use Sleeper every day, uh, probably every day. It's the only fantasy app that I use. It is a great app. Now, let me do the ad read. The Jet Press is partnering with Sleeper Daily Fantasy to give new users a first deposit match up to $100. That's a lot of money. Make sure to use our code FANSIDED2. That's F-A-N-S-I-D-E-D-2, the number two. It's on the screen. When signing up to receive your deposit match. Please remember to always game responsibly. Scan the QR code on the screen to see if you qualify. Mike, let's talk about the Texans game. I don't know what we're going to say, but let's talk about it. All right, I'm going to operate as if the Jets have a real quarterback. They don't because Why? just for the sake for the sake of entertainment purposes. Okay, sure. Because literally, because if we do that, then we could just say, well, it doesn't matter because of the quarterback. So to avoid that, that was my. Let's plan. at least look at it like a like a game. Okay, that that my plan was to say that. Just so you know. <laughs> so, the Texans. I've said this before. D'Amico Ryan's might win Coach of the Year, and mm-hmm. C.J. Stroud's unbelievable, which he is. I love watching C.J. Stroud. The Texans are literally, they use the same hiring process that brought the Jets Robert Sala. Yep. 49ers defensive coordinator, and they hire the pass game coordinator to be the offensive coordinator. Now, people hate Sala, and people hated Mike LaFleur before they fired him. And you know what? Texans are the exact same thing. The Texans got C.J. Stroud. The Jets got Zach Wilson. Yeah. Zach Wilson was so bad, a human being, multiple human beings got fired and had to move their families and mess up their kids' lives. That's how bad Zach Wilson was. That's what he did to Michael Floor, who, by the way, doing pretty all right. With and the he, Rams. Just, he also just got extended by the Rams midseason. He got extended his first season midseason. God, that was he's such a doing, stupid move. He's doing pretty good for himself. I remember how when he had every other quarterback who wasn't Zach Wilson and they didn't win every game, but like they were thrown for 300 yards. What's remember funny? Joe Flacco threw for 317 and four yeah. touchdowns against the Browns. Josh, Josh Johnson threw for over 300 yards off the bench. Like he even started the game and he threw for over 300 yards. Remember Mike White 400 yards his first career game ever against the team that went to the Super Bowl? Remember that? I do find it funny how the narrative about Michael Floor has seemed to shift because forever, for the longest time this year, this this entire year, if you mentioned Michael Floor's name, you'd get shit on and be like, oh, he sucks, he's awful. Now if you mention him, it's like, man, I wish we had Michael Floor still. I wonder whose first podcast it was. Well, it was like, who was the one? Who were the ones? I mean, obviously we were the only ones. I'm not going to say that. But we were, on our first show, we were literally defending Michael Floor. Uh, and now here we are, December 6th, almost a year later. And we're still defending Mike LaFleur. Okay, I, I, it was, it, it's because he was the 49ers passing game coordinator and run game coordinator. That a bunch of them have been hired for OC stuff, Mike McDaniel. And pretty much everyone has either been great or at least been okay in the offense has been good. Yep. All the Shannon McVay guys. You mean to tell me the Jets got the one guy who wasn't and his brother's great, Matt LaFleur? You mean to tell me the Jets got the one guy out of 10 who stunk? Who stunk? Like, come on, that doesn't make any sense. But anyway, that's how the Texans have set themselves up. Now, they're coming into this game a bit wounded because there's no Tank Dell for the rest of the year and unfortunately broke his leg, which is a shame. But And, and I originally, like, I'm looking at this Texans team. If you take Stroud out of it still, I don't think they're that amazing. Like, Nico Collins is having a great year. I still think he's more like a high-end wide receiver, too. Hey, no, that's my, that's my fan, that is my fantasy wide receiver, too. Don't you disrespect him like that. How dare you? On the sleeper app, use the code right there. Yeah. <laughs> I started my year six and two, and then Jefferson got hurt, and I lost five in a row. But anyway, Sorry, uh, 
Like, I still think Collins is a wide receiver, too. Dell's out. Robert Woods is having an okay, not amazing year. Dalton Schultz is above average as a tight end, but he's certainly not, like, a difference maker. He's just really good. Their offensive line is not good. Like, people say, oh, the offensive line for the Jets. Like, the Texans were playing their fourth-string center at one point. You know what happened in that game? C.J. Stroud threw five touchdowns and beat the Bucs. Like, I'm not saying that the quarterback always has to overcome some stuff. I can name four or five guys off the bat that are suffering from coordinator issues and line issues and play calling issues and skill position around them issues. A lot of them make it work. CJ Stroud is obviously insanely talented and he's making it work, but the personnel is just not great. Now, if there's an avenue to disrupt CJ Stroud, I will say the offensive line's still banged up. Titus Howard is out. There's Tunsil, but again, we said before, sometimes the Jets have one good offensive lineman and the line still stinks. The offensive line, if you have one really amazing guy, you could still get to the other four. The Browns had Joe Thomas be amazing forever long, and they always had bad offensive lines because one guy can't just cover up for everything. So because of that, I think there's a real path to pressuring Stroud, using all the pass rushers to get after him. Like You legitimately can do that because for all of Stroud's positives, and he's certainly great at creating out of the pocket, that was the big criticism of him was can he create out of structure? Yes, he can. But he's not like a four or five insane athlete. So if you get him off his spot, I think there's a chance to maybe coax some rookie mistakes out of him. Yeah, I think we've seen that a little bit from Stroud in the last like five weeks because he was like nearly perfect to start the season as far as turnovers and interceptions went. Uh, but we've seen some more of those mistakes as as the weeks have gone on. It's fun looking at this roster, too. Because there's so many revenge game narratives. I know the obvious one is Adrian Amos because the Texans just signed him. And I do honestly expect him to play. I know he just got there, but it's D'Amico Ryan's scheme. It cannot be very – it's very similar to Robert Sala's scheme. So I imagine it's 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 not going to be that significant of a transition process. But it's not just Amos. Talking about that offensive line, George Vance playing right tackle for them this year, and he's been all right. He's been pretty good. Jets Blake definitely Cashman. use him. Blake Cashman. Blake Cashman's the other one. Blake Cashman is balling. Like, straight up balling. Like, one of the best linebackers in football this season balling. That's not an exaggeration. He's been great for them. So, it's going to be really fun seeing him back. I know he was – Salah loved Cashman. He, he who, was who did the Jets get with, with the cat with the pick they got for Blake Cashman? What did they get? Was it was a seventh round. What did they trade him for? I think it was like a fifth or something like that. And at the time, we were like, they got a, a sixth. They, it, was, it, was definitely a swap. it was definitely a swap or something. They didn't get a straight pick from him. They got a six, and then they traded it for uh, to the Packers, and they got Anders Carlson. So, oh, who's been bad? Wait, they got a straight up six for Cashman. That's they got a straight up six. Uh, at the time, I remember that was viewed as a huge win. That is, I mean, obviously now he's playing well, but I think that's a pretty good win. I'm surprised that they got that. Another one. Oh, oh, you know what? They sent that pick because that was in the Rodgers trade. That was the sixth in the Rodgers trade. So Blake Cashman helped the Jets get Aaron Rodgers. And look where we're at now. Thanks, boy. There you have it. And only (laughs) one of them's having a Pro Bowl year, and the other's hurt. And guess who is who? Not who you'd think. Because Cashman got hurt every year. Rodgers hadn't missed their game in eight years. And one of them's on IR, and the other is is having a Pro Bowl season. Who the hell saw that coming? Why even try to win? Why even try to improve? They'll just blow their Achilles out. Anyway, anyway, Sheldon Rankin's also there. That's a fun one. He's having a good season as well. So there's quite a few, like, revenge game narratives uh this is a good texans team i mean i know i know cj stroud is great and that's part of the reason they're having so much success but i I do think there's some some talent on this roster aside from that we already mentioned cashman i think will anderson's come along really nicely in the last few weeks he's coming off a two-stop game this past week i think we're finally starting to see 
why he was such a hype prospect. He's showing it more. Derek Stingley's missed a lot of time, but he has four interceptions in six games. And I think he's having like a second year leap for him, even though he's missed some time with injury, which that's that sucks. I mean, obviously that was an issue with him at LSU and it's it's kind of becoming an issue already in the NFL, but he's still a good young player. And now that he's back and healthy, that's a big, a big get for their defense. It does suck having Tank Dell out. But I like Nico Collins. He's a very good player. Robert Woods is still a reliable receiver. Noah Brown has made some plays this year, which is fun. Jersey, it's fun. Shout out. There you go. And it's been fun to oh, see him. God. This is a good Texans team. Like they, they, they are a good team. I do believe. Uh, I think I think they're going to be a playoff team this year. I do believe they will be a playoff team, uh, especially with the injuries to guys like Burrow. To I mean, the Steelers do not have a quarterback. They didn't really have one before. Kenny Pickett got hurt. Now they definitely don't. The Bills are, I mean, they're six and six, but they, I think they have like a 15% chance of making a playoffs. It's well, kind of look crazy. at who they got to play. It's like the Chiefs, the Niners, yeah. the Cowboys. It's crazy. It's so I guess, I mean, talking from a Texans perspective, this is obviously a must-win game for Houston. They cannot lose this game. Like this is a conference opponent. They cannot lose this game, especially because it'll it'll also come down to like conference or, or, or common opponents because they're playing the or that they might have a you know a tiebreaker with the with the Bills and the Bills have played the Jets. Uh so if the Texans win this game, they'd have the tiebreaker over the Bills in, in that, I think, if they had the conference record. But anyway, it's an important game for them. It's a must-win game. I don't expect them to take the Jets lightly because of that. Also, because everyone knows how good this defense is. Uh ultimately, again, it just comes down to the fact that the Jets don't have a quarterback. And unfortunately, and if you look offensively too, though, like I know that Sauce Gardner is better than Derek Stingley, but the, yeah. oh my God, how could the Texans have done that? Like that narrative doesn't exist anymore. Stingley's going to be a pro bowler this year. I would not be surprised if he played six games. Bowl. I don't know if he's made, he's played six games. I don't know if he's making a pro bowl. I the interceptions are there. I just don't know if he's played enough to make it, but I, I think if he was healthy. All right, all right, let me rephrase. He's played at a pro bowl level. Yeah. This year. And I think he will be a pro bowler in the future. I agree with you. Right. There. Right. Now the, I say all that to say the reason we were so, fuming last week was because Garrett Wilson was open, not an exaggeration, trying to be a fun, like funny, literally almost every play he was wide open and yep. Tim Boyle didn't throw it to him. I don't know if that's going to happen in this game because they're probably going to have Stingley on him for most of the game. So because of that, now Zach Wilson, who for all of the criticism we had of Zach Wilson for years and years and years, you could go and we could give you chapter and verse about how much he stinks to his credit. He will force feed Garrett Wilson the ball. Yep. I will give him that. He will try to get the ball to Garrett Wilson. Now, I just don't know if he's going to be able to do that in this game because he's going to have one of the best young corners in the league in Stingley on him. So what does that mean? Well, that means Nathaniel Hackett's going to have to be creative. And do I have hope that he'll do that? No. But again, I almost feel bad for him because I thought the first half – specifically second half a little bit, but mostly the first half too against Atlanta. He called a terrific game. Guys were wide open all the time. There was a flea flicker. There were actual like creative plays that I hadn't seen before this year. I'm like, all right, he's got something. And then guys are wide open and Timmy Boyle didn't throw it to him. Like Hackett can't physically go out there and play quarterback and make him throw the ball. So maybe he's, he got enough of a jolt where I'm like, okay, he can get something else going right now. Somebody's got to step up. Maybe it's Xavier Gibson who's looked okay. I think the hype around him is just kind of whatever. I think he's a complete also ran, but he actually has made some plays in the last couple games. Mm -hmm. Maybe it'll be him. Maybe it'll be Ruckert. Got to be somebody because I, Garrett Wilson is going to get some plays, but he's not going to have like 10 catches for 120 yards because Stingley's too good. 
He is. I, I do think Garrett Wilson ended up getting his, but I, I agree with you. I'm just I'm looking at the roster. A couple of more, uh, a couple more uh, reunion games or revenge games, whatever you want to say. Neville Hewitt is still in Houston. He's been with them the last couple of years, I believe. Uh, so that's fun. And of course, how can we forget the god of all kickers? Matt Amendola is still their kicker. Uh, I'm pretty sure he is still there. Oh, that, oh, he's. I thought he was like an injury replacement. Isn't Fairbairn? Yeah, yeah. Fairbairn's uh, Fairbairn's hurt still. No, he's not coming back. Oh, he is. Is he, is he still hurt? He's still hurt. No, I didn't. I didn't hear anything about him coming back. Now I got to make sure. Kaimi Fairbairn is. Uh, yeah, he's, I think. Yeah, he, he, I don't think his windows uh, open yet. Yeah, no, he's not. Active. Yeah, he's still hurt. So another one there. It's really right, fun. Jared in chat says Jordan Jenkins still a Texan. No, no, he's gone. I'm sh- very surprised. He's honestly. one of the all stars of like the Todd Bowles Gase awful year. Jordan Jenkins saw a lot of shit with the Jets. I'm genuinely surprised that Jordan Jenkins did not have an NFL career after the Jets. He played what? One, yeah, he played one year in Houston where he was a backup, and that was it. That surprises me because I thought he, he was, was a, not bad. He wasn't bad. He I don't think he was like a, a starting edge rusher on a lot of teams, but he was a fine player. I I think he didn't have like a true strength. He was, I would say, an above average run defender and then a not great pass rusher who didn't really have – he wasn't a great athlete. Like I, I feel like that might have been why. But like – Use another JJ player. comparison. He's if Jermaine Johnson didn't work. He would be Jordan Ooh. Jenkins. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I agree. I think Johnson was a more refined pass rusher in college. But – yeah, I can see that comparison. Both, um, well, uh, south, southeastern schools, not not SEC, but South. He got screwed because he had to pick forty eight as his number. I knew immediately that he can't have a pass rush work. Hey, but, Bryce Huff, Bryce Huff's forty seven. How dare you, Bryce Huff's forty seven? He's great. They got to cool with the numbers. That Judavian Clowney's wearing twenty four as a defensive end. This is not my yeah. NFL. The other Kyle Fuller was playing cornerback. He was wearing like seventeen. This Isn't is not my really NFL. Old? Isn't there an edge rusher who wears nine? Am I making this? This is an edge rusher. Matt Judon nine? does. Matt Judon, thank you. I, that's ex- literally exactly what I was thinking of. I'll at least I accept that. Ninety-nine. He used to wear to nine. Jason Pierre-Paul wore number four. You can't do that. Yeah. yeah I, mean, sure. I can't believe, remember who said that, but I believe some quarterback actually said that because of the number change. Like I made fun of Tom Brady for that. Apparently, a lot of quarterbacks have said because linebackers mm-hmm. are wearing like number 12 now and not Hard all like 54, 56, that it's actually confusing people. Yeah. Well, also then you have guys who are like 210 pounds playing linebacker. And it's like, well, wait, is that guy a safety? What, what is he? What is this guy doing? Like you also have that. You have a, you see a 210 pound guy wearing number 22 in the box. You're not thinking that's the Mike linebacker, but it totally could be. Like you have no idea. I'll, I'll give Matt Rule credit. I remember Zach Wilson's first game against the Panthers. Shaq Thompson wore 54 his whole career. Yeah. And then on game day, they changed his number to seven. So like screw it, Zach. I remember that. I remember oh, that. I'm like, all right, that that's cool. Well, fair, well played. I remember that. All right, are we gonna do a prediction? I was, I'm sorry, I was just looking at like it's fun, really quick, looking at this D'Amico Ryan's defense and just seeing how many former Jets and 49ers are on there. Like he basically they're all so like, similar. Yeah, like it was like he's got Jimmy Ward there as well. He's got Kerry Hyder, who was also a Jet by the way, but he was known with the Niners. He's played under Sala with the Niners, but I believe he was a Jet for a brief period of time. I don't think he played a game. Uh, so many former Jets, so many former 49ers. It's very fun. Der- Derek Barnett, who might as well have been a Jet, considering how many times he was rumored to go there. Uh, so many, so many players. But anyway, anyway, <laughs> let's do our predictions, Mike. I'll start with you because I, I don't, I don't want to do this. But what's your, what's your prediction? Texans 21, Jets 13. Stroud, Stroud is good enough where I think he'll break through the impenetrable defense a little bit. And yeah. I got to give credit. Shout out Bobby Slowick. He's been great. He, He's going to be a coach pretty soon. I feel like he's going to be a, 
if he plays well this game, or if he coordinates well this game, I should say, excuse me, there's going to be a lot of – it's always fire Salah, hire Ben Johnson. After this game, it's going to be higher Bobby Slow. I think he needs another year as a coordinator, but he'll be a head coach very soon. So he'll be creative enough to outduel Nathaniel Hackett. Not very hard. I think Wilson – And here's what I think will happen too game plan-wise. I think because of everything that's happened with Wilson, I really think they're going to go Chiefs level and just say F it and do go balls all day. Because literally, they're just not, they've got nothing left to lose. Like Zach's not going to be back. They know the season's lost. Just throw it 45 times. And I think just through the laws of probability, unless a Josh Freeman Vikings Monday night game happens, if you remember that, where he was like 19 of 55 or something. Yes. Unless that happens, I feel like Wilson's going to have one or two big plays and that'll get him in the end zone. But I, Zach Wilson's not going to go toe to toe with CJ freaking Stroud and beat him. If he does, then the Texans are going to be in the playoffs because they can't win this game. They're not a playoff team. It was very funny to hear Robert Salas say today that Zach's at his best when he's just like, F it, you know, whatever. And, and they yeah, there's him. no pressure. Yeah, that's how most people well, are. Yeah. Meanwhile, they, I feel like they coach him to do the exact opposite. I feel like they the, the entire Jets coaching staff has coached their quarterbacks to do the exact opposite this season. So it's funny to see that. Ultimately, we're just kind of giving a variation of the same score every week. I feel like that's what we're doing. I appreciate your scores in chat. Brian in chat. This is funny. I want to point this up. Uh, Zach throws his first career pick six. That's crazy. He's never thrown a pick six. He is that hasn't? True? Is that true? I didn't realize that. That's, probably because he, he's been so inaccurate, it's hard for him to throw interceptions. <laughs> it's so bad that we're surprised that, about a third-year quarterback. That's a leg- I li- literally believe that. Sometimes he's his inaccuracy has saved him from interceptions on bad decisions. I, I think you're not wrong on that. I don't think you're wrong. Uh, Brian. Well, I remember Patrick D- Dowdy on like Roto Sports was talking about like how bad Zach Wilson is compared to Tim mm-hmm. Boyle. And we ca- I came up with the line there when I was replying to him. I said, he's so bad at reading the field that he can't throw interceptions. Who's Zach Wilson? Yeah. Like he's yeah. not even good enough at reading the field to yeah. make the wrong decision and throw it to the guy. Like sometimes he doesn't even see the guy. That's the level we're on. I, 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 you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> just to finish reading Brian's uh, comment, he said, Zach throws his first career pick six, visibly gives up on the play before making any attempt at a tackle, takes off his uniform and strolls in the tunnel. So he just basically goes Antonio Brown. That would be very funny. Uh, that You know what would be so funny about that too is you'd have probably 30% of people on Jets Twitter being like, I don't blame him. Good for you, Zach. Good for you. You do you, buddy. Stand up. Stand on business, man. That's what you get. You get like 20 to 30%. I love saying stand on business in that like nerdy voice. That's stand on business, you know? Oh my God. That's, that's what you get. A lot of people saying that. Uh, For for no benefit. It's not going to, it's not going to take you to dinner or anything. No. It's to debase yourself because you have a humiliation fetish or something. (laughs) <laughs> oh, oh my god um, <laughs> um what is yeah, my plus after dark again yeah we're going we're an hour and 10 minutes we're in this is when we get to that territory yeah. uh what's my prediction i'll say 24 9 i'll say they don't score a touchdown i'll say they get in field goal range three times and they kick three field goals that they still can't find the end zone or maybe that maybe greg's airline missed another extra point that'd be funny um but I, i'll say that they get three field goals and they just can't find the end zone because that's nathaniel hackett for you 24 seems reasonable. Jets defense plays well enough in the first half and then eventually gives up in the second half when they realize that their offense can't score points. So 24-9, that's what we'll say. Luppy, Zach Wilson throws for 275 and two touchdowns, and we're talking about him for a future. No, You know that'll happen. I love the no at the end. Yeah, honestly. 
honestly. Like, every time that everybody, like everybody's officially ready to bury him, like even the Wilson truthers, that's when he saves his ass. Like, he's done that like two or three times. Interesting note here, right at the end, Brees Hall did not practice today with an ankle injury. And notably, I don't believe Robert Sala said anything about that. Uh, when speaking to the reporters, what do, you have, what do you have? Twenty yards and eleven carries the last game. I mean, well, Casala said Casala said Rogers obviously not practicing. John Franklin Myers had an ankle injury, and Brownlee, I believe, also had an ankle injury. Uh, they're not practicing, but Brees Hall he did not mention. So the fact that he did not practice with an ankle injury also different than the hamstring he had last year or last last week. I, I'll so, go play running back at this point. I'll probably get snaps over a band. Maybe. Yeah, I was going to say, maybe we'll get a Zivana Canada this week, but it'll probably just be like 30 carries for Dalvin Cook. 30, 30 carries. They're not going to run 30 off of the place. What am I talking about? God, this is the worst fucking timeline. All right. <laughs> now, thank you for indulging our our uh, deep dive into the worst timeline and how bad things are with the Jets. We'll be back on Sunday again to talk about what is probably going to be another loss. They're sixth in a row against the Texans, barring some act of God. So for all of the Jets analysis post-game and not post-game like we do with the weekly podcast, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, wherever it is you get your podcasts. We're on all those sites, YouTube and TikTok, at the Jet Press for both. Make sure you give the stream a like. Make sure you leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Justin, what another not-crazy week in Jets fandom, huh? Aren't things just so stable? Once we're done with this podcast, I'm going to go back to apathy. And I'm going to be peaceful again. I'm going to live in peace. And I'll be cool with it. And then it's one a very Buddhist gonna, way of watching the Jets. <laughs> and then one person's going to say something on Twitter, and it's going to it's going to piss me off again. Earlier today, somebody told me that Tim Boyle. They were like, "You wanted this. Tim Boyle's been a perfectly good QB two in his career. You wanted him to play in that look." And I'm like, "Perfectly QB two for who? QB two for who? The 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 laundry is he QB twelve for anybody?" I don't even think so. I don't think he's QB 12. Chris Strebler might be better what, than Tim Boyle. What were, was their last name on Twitter? Boyle. That might have been his mom. No, I'm pretty sure it was like letters, numbers, that kind of – it was that kind of handles. Oh, that was, then it was him. Name. That was his burner. It was Tim Boyle's burner. Like, that was yeah. him, yeah. I love even in his wildest dreams on his burner account, he's still like, I'm a QB too. <laughs> he's realistic. He's I'm like, a backup quarterback. That's really like, You know how kids dream about winning the Super Bowl? He's like, maybe I could bounce around and throw like, you know, 45 <laughs> touchdowns in my career. He didn't even he throws, dream about the Super Bowl. He throws one touchdown and 13 interceptions at UConn. He's like, the dream's still alive. I'm going to get there one day. And it worked. Here he, Here he is living his dream. Good for, honestly, Good for Tim Boyle. I'm all about people getting their money. Chase that bag, dude. Get your money. All of fame scam on this guy. Do whatever you're doing fame. that keeps getting you paid because it's clearly it's clearly him, him and Zach Wilson would be good cult leaders because they can get people to believe in them for doing nothing very easily. Zach Wilson, Zach Wilson would be the funniest. This is I don't mean this as an insult. He'd be the funniest looking cult leader. Like who's he looks like he's 16. Be like, like imagine me as a cult leader. This would be so funny. Like, wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> or you like we're not cult. Like, we don't look like cult. I don't know. I don't know what a cult <laughs> like, like. I came out to deny it, like we're thinking of it. I think I'm just thinking of like Charles Charles Manson, right? He was a cult leader. That was that was uh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. okay. We're, and we're, other things. We're, well, yes, yes. We're an hour and fifteen minutes, and so we're talking about Charles Manson. Anyway, it's time to wrap up. Uh, really quick plug. I didn't. I haven't done this before. Uh, but I had an interview come out with Alex Anzalone of the Detroit Lions a few weeks ago. That's on the Stack in the Box YouTube channel. If you want to check that out, that's affiliated with Fansided as well. I have another one coming up this week. I believe it's coming out Thursday, but don't quote me on that. With San Francisco 49ers defensive lineman Eric Armstead. That's going to be cool. He's an awesome dude. Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee. So that's going to be fun. Um, yeah, a few of those up on the Stack in the Box YouTube channel if you want to check those out. But anyway, until next time, 
Thank you all for joining us on the show today. You can follow Mike, me. You can follow Mike. That's Mike. You can follow him on Twitter at by Mike Luciano. Follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Free. Follow Jet Press at the Jet Press. Download Jet Press podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Spotify, Apple, Overcast. You got it. You know. Also check us out on YouTube and TikTok. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell. You guys know what to do. We stream live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And unfortunately, following every single Jets game. Thank you all for listening to Jet Press Podcast. I have been Justin Freed. That has been Mike Luciano. We'll see you guys next time. Return of the Zach. Set to the beat of Return of the Mac. Let's hope that this actually doesn't make us want to gouge our eyes out like Tim Boyle did. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue. All in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.